Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts in the world, globally, and it's all because of my truly incredible guests, and I am so fortunate to spend time with people who are at the top of their game. They are passionate about helping you achieve your goals in both your personal and professional lives, and my guests hold nothing back. They show up here ready to share the secrets of peak performance and I know that their insights both are both inspiring and actionable. So grab a notepad, grab a recorder, take notes, sit back, relax, and get ready to take your life and business to the next level. And today I am welcoming back my friend Robert Rivenbark. And our topic today is AI Avatar. Listen to this. This is important. AR Avatars review the first ever book, The Cloud. It's an historic literary event. I think this this has never, I don't think, I know it hasn't happened. And his award-winning science fiction book, The Cloud, which I have, he gifted it to me. It's in my entrepreneurial library. It becomes the inaugural work to be reviewed by AI avatars. Have you ever heard such a thing? I was shocked when I heard it. I was like, oh, look, I like AI. I work with it. I'm very careful with it. So, Pay attention because it has a lot of applications in how we operate in our lives. So this novel presents a futuristic world, which entwined with AI's role, reflecting the author's fascination with virtual reality and concern for humanity's future is just going all over the place. And the cloud offers a peek into the speculative future where AI is deeply integrated in society. Guess what's happening? Rooted in his worry for humanity's destiny, the book merges his passion for speculative fiction and interest in AI, and it does weave a thought-provoking narrative. So the innovation here, this is important to listen, take notes, lies in AI-generated reviewers. Again, I had never heard of such a thing. This introduces questions, in my mind at least, how are these avatars made? I mean, they're potentially using book summaries as a basis. So we've got, I've got questions. Robert, welcome back to your partner in Success Radio. A lot, and I mean a lot, has happened since you were here last. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yes, it's it's kind of um, disorienting in a way. that so many things have, have happened since the last time we spoke. Uh, but uh, I'm delighted to... Uh, have been selected as the first novel ever to receive an AR avatar generated book review tour, which has substantially boosted my standing on uh, uh, Amazon and has also led to a huge following on several uh, social media channels, including TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So I'm delighted to be here. I'm happy to answer all questions. And uh, thank you again for welcoming me back. 
Oh, it's always my pleasure to chat with you. We were chatting. Well, I got an email from you this morning and you're all over Twitter mentioning my name. And I thank you very much for that. I was like, oh, I'm so popular today. Thank you. But you also sent me a note and we talked about it just very briefly in my virtual green room about now you just hit the top three categories. Tell me about that in Amazon. Yes. Uh, Amazon has uh, internal rankings for bestsellers. And um, I just this morning, uh, this is, is largely uh, thanks to you and uh, Devin Blaine, my, my LA publicist, and also Devin. She's one Henry of my Roy. Yep. Oh, she is, she is an absolute uh, miracle. She's a rock star. She really is. She really is. And, and also, um, Henry Roy uh, and uh, Carola Schmidt at Henry Roy uh, PR. Those are the folks that launched my uh, AI avatar uh, book review tour. And I, they, Henry suggested to me, why don't you start recording some short videos with your iPhone that we could post on TikTok? And that way you'll increase your following, which is already 1,300. But we can get it up. We can take it exponentially. Uh, and I said, well, look, I've got a face made for radio. How about we use AR avatars to do the posts? And that way I can start blogging with real human beings, but encouraged by AR avatars. So that's what he's doing. And I think we've got something like 20 uh, videos up on TikTok now. And uh, the following is is just increasing and increasing. So I'm I'm so thrilled to be the first. <laughs> it's amazing, and I want to ask how you got chosen, but when you're talking about Henry Roy, it's R-O-I, not R-O-Y. Just if anybody's sure. looking for him, it's R-O-I. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, we don't want people going, I don't see Henry Roy. I want to talk with him. Where is he? <laughs> we just told you where he is. And Devin Blaine, honestly, just go to, what is it, the Blaine? It's, oh. Yes, the Blaine Group. Yes. B-L-A-I-N-E group in uh, Los Angeles. I'll tell you a little bit about Devin Blaine. She's how I met you. But she, you know, in, if you followed me along at all on this podcast, you'll know that for many years, many years, I just did Fridays. I you know broadcast live every Friday. And then somehow I met up with Devin Blaine. And I blame her. She'll tell you. I, mean, I blame her that I had to add Monday because she sends me so many terrific people to talk with that she says, well, would you like to interview this person? I could not with any conscience at all say, sure, but it'll be six months from now because that's how backed up I was getting. So Mondays and Fridays, I blame Devin for Monday. So there you have it. It's all her fault. Uh, what a great story. I'm sure uh, Devin's ears will, will be burning when she listens to this. Uh, oh, I tell her this all the time. She knows this is not a <laughs> surprise to her. In fact, I did six pre-interviews on Tuesday and four of them come from her company. I mean, she's really, really good at what she does. But I wanted to ask you, how how did this happen? I mean, when we first spoke, Gosh, I don't even know when we've talked several times, but you know, the book was out there and I know you're working with another very dear friend of mine. Um, you know, the, uh, I can't even, my brain just shut down, but uh, actually it can't actually. And then it just kind of 
went from there, didn't it? How did you wind up with, with Henry Roy? How did he find you? I guess is my question. Well, I, uh, I have a, a friend, a fellow writer who recommended that agency. Uh, Ken Atchity, my literary manager, uh, is the gentleman who introduced me to Devin Blaine. And he's also the gentleman who is developing uh, the, the cloud as a series. And uh, I, I got in touch with uh, Henry Roy on the recommendation of a, a fellow writer. And they launched a virtual uh, book tour called the Black Phoenix Book Tour uh, that got a whole uh, spate of, of new reviews. And I was pleased with that. And, and about, oh, I guess a week and a half afterwards, uh, Henry reached out to me and said, look, uh, my partner, uh, Carola Schmidt, and I have been playing with AI uh, we use uh, a different platform than chat GPT, but it, it's one that's particularly effective for book promotion because his PR agency specializes in book promotions. He says, could we have permission to make the cloud the world's first uh, novel ever promoted by AI avatars? Uh, and it will be a book review that will go out in the same way we just did the live one <laughs> with real human <laughs> beings. But I it, have to ask, did you even let him finish the sentence before you said, yes, 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 of course, yes, absolutely, sure. Well, since uh, AI and, and VR, uh, virtual reality, play huge roles in my novel, I just, <laughs> it was it was a no-brainer. No kidding. <laughs> so that's how we met. And... Uh, you know, we've we've taken it from there. I, I I'm doing work with him, uh, Henry Henry Roy and Carola Schmidt every month now, and they're just, uh, you know, today uh, we're doing a 99 cent sale, and that has boosted my ranking uh, in Amazon, and that's how I got on the bestseller list today in three different categories. Well, let me ask you this. I was on Amazon yesterday, and if I'm remembering correctly, I'm on Amazon all the time. I read everything I can lay my hands on, and I'm always downloading a lot of stuff from Kindle Unlimited. And it seems to me like the book was uh, free if you have an unlimited account yesterday. That That is correct. Uh, the uh, rankings that I just uh, reported are for the Kindle edition. Right, the ninety nine cent. Exactly. exactly. So don't go, don't go download it. Go buy it. It's ninety nine cents, is what I'm saying. Right. So it is number fifteen in the science fiction, TV, movie, and game tie-in. It's number seventy two in the cyberpunk science fiction, uh, Kindle store category, and it's number uh, one thirty eight in the cyberpunk science fiction books category. And that's congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very honored and humbled. Well, and you know, I, I'm going to tell people who are listening to us, okay, what's the cloud? The best thing to do is go find Robert and go back and find the, the conversations that we've had because we talk extensively about the cloud. But what I really wanted to talk about today with you is because look, we all have a book in us. I've got mine almost done. I don't know that I'll be able to 
to what you've done with it because it's just not going to be as fascinating as yours. It's about podcasting, but I really am hoping that this conversation that we're having gives authors, whether they're already authors or they're thinking about becoming an author, gives them some hope for they don't have to go to a giant you know, publishing house. They don't want to spend a whole heck of a lot of money putting out their book. They need to do it kind of smartly. They need to know what's out there, what can be done, who can help them. Yeah, you know, if you've got a book in you, write it because there's ways to get it out there. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just give you a short bullet list of, of things that I did that I Perfect. highly encourage other authors to do. Um, the first thing is is order the current copy of, uh, oh, what is his name? His name is, is going out of my mind. Uh, there, there is a uh, list of, of current publishers, publishing houses, and uh, agents that is available on Amazon, and it comes out every year. Uh, that's how I found Ken Atchity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Herman. It's the Jeff Herman. Jeff H-E-R- Herman. Okay. Jeff, J-E-F-F-H-E-R-M-A-N. And he publishes a new uh, guidebook every year. Uh, which has listings, and he solicits comments from uh, agents, for example. That's how I found Ken Atchity. Uh So they should reach out to uh, the folks that are looking for books in their category. Uh, another thing I would highly recommend is to work with a professional book editor. Uh, before uh, I uh, reached out uh, to Ken Atchity, I worked for uh, over a year with Elizabeth Lyon, L-Y-O-N, of Editing International. She is one of the absolute best uh, professional book editors uh, in the U.S., has written eight bestsellers uh, about how to whip your novel into shape. And she helped me turn my very rough first draft into something that was in good enough shape that when I queried, uh, she also helped me write the query letter. I queried 20 agents and Ken Anchity responded the same day and said, please send the entire novel as a PDF uh, today. Uh, Don't send me sample chapters. I want the whole book. And three weeks later, he called me and said, hi, this is Ken Anchity. Uh, I've read your novel. I think it's incredible. I think we've got a bestseller, a potential trilogy, and a hit feature film and or series. And by the way, did you work with a professional editor? I said, yes, I worked with Elizabeth Lamb. He says, boy, you can certainly tell. I remember that story. And I remember Ken telling me something very similar about that trajectory. I never can say that word. You know, about how you guys got moving on this. I remember all of this. Well, and, and then once you have your hands, and I'm speaking to the authors now directly, once you have your hands on the Jeff Herman uh, Guide to Publishers, uh, uh, Agents, uh, etc., then query agents 20 at a time. Uh, compose a compelling uh, pitch letter 
that uh, and get some professional help with that. You know, Elizabeth Lyon, for example, can help you write it if you're unsure that you're doing it properly. And if you get 20 passes or you don't hear, send out another 20 and then another 20 and another 20 and another 20. Um, eventually, you're going to find the right person in the same way that I found Ken. I just happened to find Ken at the beginning of my search because he just happened to be looking for some, uh, a novel in my category, speculative fiction. Now, let's remind people, if you don't know who Ken Atchity is, and he's been my guest many, many times, he's also responsible for that very famous movie, The Meg. Yes, so, and The Meg 2, The Trench. <laughs> the Meg 2, The Trench just came out uh, about uh, last week. Yeah, it was, I know there was a lot of talk about it during Shark Week. That's right. Jason Statham returned uh, as the male protagonist, and uh, it's probably going to do very well, just like the first one. And it was shot in uh, 3D, and I believe they used James Cameron's 3D cameras to shoot it. Oh, I'll have to ask. See, it gets fascinating. So, yeah, And I know what people are thinking. Oh, I do have a book in me. I do. I've got multiple books. I've only got one that's actually being written at this time. But I think we all have a book. I know we all have stories to tell, whether they're personal or whether they're speculative fiction, which is not a term I'd ever heard until I met you. But whatever it is, if you've got a book and you don't just go, ah, it's too expensive. I can't do that. I can't have this published. I can't, I can't, I can't. You can. So keep on talking, Robert. Tell me what else was on your list. Yes, Uh, (laughs) ma'am. Sorry, I didn't uh, mean to boss you around. Oh, that's fine. You're doing great. I I, I love strong, assertive women. Anyway, uh, yes, the uh, task number one is reach out to a professional editor, and my editor is Elizabeth Lyon of Editing International. Uh, be patient. Just be accept her wisdom, because everything she tells you is worth incorporating into your novel uh, and or she handles nonfiction books as well uh, and and be patient with yourself and don't be afraid to do several drafts uh, I, I do extensive outlines to start so that I don't go crazy when I'm actually trying to write the, the actual first draft uh, but you know, uh, Ken Etchity also has uh, a, a fantastic book called The Writer's Time. It's available on Amazon, and I recommend I to any of you yeah. have it. I, I yeah. have all of his books, to be honest. Okay. Well, I would uh, urge every uh, aspiring author to, at a minimum, read the first five chapters and follow the guidelines there. Uh, to develop character arcs for all of your major characters, to be able to uh, uh, plot the story out. That book will get you off to a terrific start. And then once you have your first very rough draft, reach out to uh, Elizabeth Lyon uh, at Editing International and let her help you refine it. And just be patient with yourself. Her rates are very reasonable. And... uh, trust her judgment because she's been doing this for uh, over 30 years. 
And you got very lucky with the group of people that you've surrounded yourself with. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, you've done the work. It didn't just happen by happenstance. It wasn't just, oh, he got lucky, 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 which I just said, but you did. But because you did the work and you followed guidance, which you know, it's difficult for people. I I don't like to be bossed around, so I'm difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to coach me. I don't even, I even argue with my NAF system. She's not the boss of me. But if you're willing, what I'm hearing from you, Robert, is if you're willing to take advice, if you're willing to step back from your ego, which is where so many of us live, and you you take that advice, sometimes it's not always great advice, and it may not be where you want to go, but sometimes, most of the time, it is, if you've really found the right people to help you, it's going to be very good advice. I, I couldn't That's agree. where the patience comes from, I think. I, I couldn't agree more, and 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 let me just add that uh, once uh, Ken Achety took me on as a client, uh, he has an in-house editing team, uh, folks that uh, edit novels and also screenplays, and I worked uh, about a year and a half with Ken and his team, and I overhauled the cloud seven times. Uh, that took a lot of uh, me just being humble, listening, yeah. and knowing that I was working with people that had been through the, you know, Ken too has been discovering new novelists and getting them published and also uh, selling them as feature films and series for over 30 years himself. Uh, the Meg to the Trench is just his latest victory. Uh so yes, be humble. Listen, you don't have to agree with everything. I mean, there there are times when I didn't agree with everything that Elizabeth Lyon, my my book editor, said, and sometimes I didn't agree with Ken's uh, uh, guidance. But I would say ninety five percent of the time they were both right, and the results speak for themselves. And the well, readers. Right, right. And the book is in your heart. You wrote it. It's in, it came from you. But, and I'm just going to throw this out there because I don't really know what I'm about to say. This happens all the time on my podcast. I'll just go, oh, and then I'll have to call you later and go, what did I say? Did that make sense? So here, here we go. But the thing is, this came from your heart. This came from your mind. This came from who knows where. I mean, it, the book is, is so fantastic and i mean that in a very good way there's a it's fantasy basically but you have to wonder kind of like with 1984 and orwell and all those like how much of this is actually fantasy what does this man know that we don't know and i get that when i'm reading the cloud i'm wondering where these downloads came into your head i mean is this actually real is this something that you just dreamed up we're not gonna know for a while i don't think but the my point is, is this this was your heart and your soul and your mind so some of it cannot be altered so that's where you say no this has to stay well that's true it it did come out of 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 very personal experience uh you know i i lived in uh, the los angeles area for eight and a half years uh that really opened up asia for me on many different levels because i got to know folks from many different asian countries so that was a huge influence. Uh, also, the fact that I worked uh, for many years for uh, top 
biotechnology uh, companies uh, doing their their marketing and advertising. And then I worked in Atlanta at a Fortune 500 commercial real estate company, uh, which which gave me a chance to interview Dr. Andrea Shagut, uh, the chair of the real estate innovation uh, department at MIT. And I got to interview all 12 of her doctoral students who are inventing technologies of the future. And the company I worked for uh, is building cities of the future in 75 countries. And those, those, those cities are going to be for the top 10% only. Uh, and then I got very interested in futurism. Uh, I read a, a, a absolutely stunning book uh, called Homo Deus, H-O-M-O, D-E-U-S, A Brief History of Tomorrow by Yuval Noah, Noah Harari, H-A-R-A-R-I. He's a, a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote another book called Sapiens about how Homo sapiens sapiens came to dominate uh, the earth. And in that book, he makes several uh, really disturbing predictions about what he thinks is going to happen in the 21st century. A, he thinks the top 1% will devote a large part of their fortunes to achieve personal immortality for themselves in this world. Secondly, he predicts that billions of people will become obsolete and the ruling regimes uh, may well decide those people are expendable and do something about it. I think number, we're seeing that now. Yeah. And number three, I, I did a lot of research into the surveillance technology that's being used in mainland China now, uh, the fact that in any uh, good-sized Chinese city, as you're walking down the street, a surveillance camera is tracking your facial expression and body movements, and that's being evaluated by an AI-driven server. Uh, and if there's anything that's a little bit off in your body language or your expression, the secret police come for you, and you're in a prison camp. Uh and I also, you know, got very interested in uh, virtual reality and AI because when I worked for this large uh, commercial real estate company, I uh, was sent with the entire creative team to Las Vegas for the Adobe Max show. Adobe is the software developer that develops all the software for advertising, publishing, and a lot uh, of the film industry. And they demoed their latest VR technology. And it was, you know, a guy in a helmet, but they had an IMAX size screen showing you what this individual was seeing. And their prediction is that within 20 years, all movies and TV will be total immersion virtual reality driven by AI. And so I took all of those elements and decided I need to write a novel about this. And I had recently uh, been a huge fan of uh, Margaret Atwood's uh, Handmaid's Tale uh, and and the, the uh, terrific sequel that came out last year that she wrote. And I was also a big fan of the Hulu series based on The Handmaid's Tale. And she's the one that came up with the uh, term speculative fiction. Uh, all of the critics are writing about her. She's a highly regarded author in several genres. They were calling The Handmaid's Tale science fiction. She said, no, it's speculative fiction. Here's the difference. 
science fiction can be about alien invasions and intergalactic travel, etc. Speculative fiction is based on what is either happening now or could be happening in the near future. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And she actually wrote The Handmaid's Tale when she was visiting uh, uh, East Germany when it was still behind the Iron Curtain in 1985. And it got her thinking, well, what would happen if there were a, uh, a fascist uh, revolution in the United States and the United States became like East Germany or Soviet Russia? So all I'm doing in this novel is taking a lot of personal uh, emotional experiences from my life uh, and also the research I've done and projecting it a hundred years into the future and saying, this is a future I hope we can avoid. Uh, And like Orwell, uh, you know, he believed that 1984 was going to come through within 30 or 40 years. I'm hoping it won't come through. I I end my novel on a note of hope with that regard, unlike uh, Orwell, but it is a cautionary tale in that sense. When it landed on my desk, I looked at the the front cover. I went, okay, I'm already a little bit freaked out. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> the, the cover is fascinating. And I had to sit with it and just look at it, you know, piece by piece and figure out what I was thinking, what I was feeling. I don't do that with book covers as a rule. But this one grabbed me. I mean, I was like, okay, I, you know, I see the the spine. I want to learn more about Turn Your Passions into Profits by one of my guests. And I know what I'm looking for in the book. Your book was something very different than I had ever read before. So I spent quite a bit of time with it. And then when I started reading it, I'm not sure if I didn't send you a note and say, okay, I can't sleep now or so, if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't sleep well anyway. It's like, oh, geez, this is killing me. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a fascinating book, but I completely understood where you were going with it. And, you know, like you, I watch what's going on now and I watch what's not really being said. I'm reading between the lines, so to speak. Many of us are. I think we're kind of waking up. And it's a fascinating book. Yeah, y'all, just if you hear me, read the book. So I wanted to go. So were there any more tips that you wanted to share before I start asking you some of my other questions? Uh, yes. I and My final recommendation to all, all aspiring author is make the following uh, your uh, motto. Tape it to your laptop. Failure is not an option. NASA. Failure is not an option. That's right. Gene, Gene uh, what was his name? Gene? Oh, geez. I can see him in my head. Um, yep. It was a great film about a true incident yeah. where we almost lost. Not, uh, not. Yep. Yeah, but Gene, what is his name? Anyway, he was the, the guy in the catbird seat. You know, watching that whole thing go down. Right. I'll remember it about midnight tonight. So, and thank you for sharing all of that. And I hope people are taking notes because, you know, there are so many different ways that you can get your book written, write your book, get help with the book, get it published, get it out on Amazon and, you know, top ratings on it. So what I wanted to ask you, Robert, is, you know, there's a lot of questions about avatar creation. And I wanted to ask you about, AI prompts and the use of book summaries. I mean, what's being done here with your book signifies the evolving relationship between 
human imagination and AI's potential. And there's no doubt it's propelling literature into new horizons. And you are the opening wedge. So again, congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I I think that, um, you know, I'm reading a wonderful book now uh, called Quantum Supremacy by uh, Michio Kaku. And it's about the future of uh, quantum computers, which are going to become, he says, are going to become bigger than AI. And he asserts in in this book that in its present incarnation, AI is a glorified, um, you know, it's it's like a, a glorified set of library cards. It's, uh, it's like a gossip column. <laughs> yes. It's really, I, I use it I very, very carefully because those of you who are listening, if you're using chat GPT and you're trying to put some of that out as your own work, Listen, it's not, and it's going to be, you're going to be called out on it, but you can take whatever, I use it for productivity mostly, but you can take the ideas that they give you and go, oh, it'll give you some terrific ideas. Just don't try to pass it off as yours. There is no privacy in chat GPT. Whatever you put in there, you do not own, and it can be found. So be careful out there. Yeah, it, it's, it's. It's kind of in its present state like a, a digital Rolodex. Yep. You you post the the uh, queries, the, or or they're called prompts actually, uh, and what happens is the AI platform will ransack the internet. And That's they, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, and, and what it does is is it recombines what already exists and presents it to you. It is not thinking, all right? We, we, we're we not in the world of the Terminator. No, it's not sentient. And people are like, oh, I'm afraid of it. Why? We, yeah, you know, and I'm going to back up just a little bit. Remember when we all got our first computers? I remember my mom saying, I'm afraid of it. You know, I'm afraid, blah, blah, blah. I said, Mom, you, whatever you do, you can undo. No, it, her computer, and she, we'd give her one and she'd ruin it. And it's like, okay, never mind scared her to death because she really thought this was years ago that it was sentient. It could, it could read her mind. Well, that's true. And, and every time there's a major breakthrough in technology, uh, there's this kind of panic. I, I, back in the 19th century, when uh, locomotives uh, could travel at 30 miles an hour, people were terrified uh, that uh, it would drive them insane or make them have heart attacks or strokes. And uh, there is that kind of panic now. Uh, AI can be used for, for a lot of good things. Oh, it can. Uh, I, yeah, I just did an article for Authority Magazine, and five of the things that I saw uh, that could really benefit humanity are improved weather forecasting, uh, eliminating uh, tedious, repetitive tasks. I and used to fact- do that a lot. I will prioritize my day every day I go into chat. I write down everything I needed to do, including clipping the cat's nails. If it's that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I write it all down and it will prioritize. It'll also, okay, give me the top three. How long is it going to take for me to do this? And it gives me ideas. Okay. Now I can plan my day. Absolutely. Uh, It can be used for next generation disaster response, which we badly need uh, because of global warming. It can be used to create new jobs that have, are undreamt of. 
uh, and uh, it never sleeps, which means it can do scientific research to discover cures for incurable diseases by working on them 24 hours a day. As long as there's electricity, it can keep doing the research, and the more sophisticated it becomes, the better. I do have some concerns about it. Um, it's currently unregulated, and uh, human nature. <laughs> it's a, I like to say, I'm unsupervised, so is AI, <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> Well, and and uh, you know, in my novel, there are there are two um, possibilities for the evolution of of AI. One is that it will evolve to the point where it considers humanity uh, irrelevant or or harmful, and we would live in the world of the Terminator. I don't think that's going to happen, and the reason I don't think so is because human nature, being what it is, every entity that's developing a not i is going to put guardrails on it to make it safe for themselves but dangerous for their enemies so that includes big corporations and governments and that's the approach i used in my novel however it is unregulated and we need to keep in mind that um, we've got to put the guardrails on there because it's going to evolve very quickly um, it's as dangerous as its human creators I mean, uh, okay. uh, yeah, a great theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, once wrote that with every uh, major development in technology, there is a concomitant potential for, for new evil. And that's just a fact. Uh, it's essentially non-human intelligence, which means if we don't have the guardrails, it could evolve in ways that are not, not beneficial for us as humans. And it's an unprecedented uh, uh, technology, unlike the industrial revolution, the computer revolution, and the internet revolution. Uh, AI revolution entails technological, ethical, moral, and spiritual implications that uh, humanity's never faced before. So we've got to educate ourselves about those implications to make sure that uh, we make wise decisions about how to use AI. And thank you. That is brilliant. I've been thinking something along the same lines, but not nearly as eloquently as you just expressed it. I wanted to go back just a little bit because we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the movies. We were talking about the Meg and, you know, just, and my brain, again, my brain doesn't, it functions in weird ways. You already know this. But while you were talking, I'm thinking, Okay, if we're going to, if everything is going to be down the road, really not, you know, we've got Tom Cruise, who to me is the last living um, actor in the world. I mean, he really is a terrific actor. (laughs) But, and I don't care about his personal life. I don't know anything about it. People, oh, a Scientologist. I don't care. He is a fabulous actor and he puts out stuff that people like. And if he's the last one, and I'm just making up stuff, but is this really a good time for an actor strike? I mean, did these people, did they think this out at all? Uh, They absolutely did. And uh, it's, it's, an ideal time for the actor strike and the writer strike. How you're going to have to educate me because to me, I'm thinking that wasn't very smart. So tell me what you think. Okay, we'll do because I've been following this intimately because I'm very interested in, uh, you know, film adaptations for uh, my my novels. Uh, 
I've actually already written a pilot script for the the cloud uh, series. Yeah, and, no, yeah. Uh, and and by the way, I should mention that uh, my friend Bob Latell, uh, who's active in the film industry here in Atlanta, he and I will be hosting a delegation from Saudi Arabia with twenty film industry uh, investors from there uh, on Labor Day weekend. But to answer your question, why is it a good time to uh, go on strike? Here's what the the actors are fighting for. They're saying, you folks are currently taking our images and our voices and using them in films and TV and streaming series, series, and you're not paying us anything for it. You're therefore cheating us of our, and you're not paying residual payments. Uh, every time you show one of our performances, you're supposed to pay us residuals. It's uh, just a given. It, it seems like I knew that when I was a kid and my mom would say something about, you know, commercials because I hate TV. I just don't watch it. But, and I really hate commercials and I would complain bitterly about them apparently. And she'd say, well, you know, every time those get, they put them out there because number one, they get paid to put them out there, but so do the actors. Went, oh, and that's when I learned about residuals. Exactly. And uh, the same applies to the writer strike because what the studios have been doing is using AI to generate uh, uh, first drafts of scripts. Oh, and then hiring, yeah, and then hiring screenwriters to tidy up the script and paying them a much lower scale, and also not allowing them in the writers' room on these streaming series, and essentially cutting them out of being able to uh, make a living at what they do. And so the writers and the uh, actors have a legitimate gripe here. Uh, I didn't know that. What I was trying to say a minute ago. Um, that Tom Cruise, in my opinion, is the last living movie star. There are no others. I mean, nobody comes close, and I don't see any being created. Him and maybe Clint Eastwood, that's it. They're all gone. Well, uh, you know, they're both classic actors who yeah. are at the top of their game. Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware, but Bruce Willis has sold the digital rights to his uh, his face. And his I did voice. know that, but he's also yeah. suffering from, you know, brain issues and Alzheimer's or something like that. But yeah, I did know that. I don't didn't know, and I still don't know what the the upshot of all that is going to be. Well, they're going to win. The actors and the writers are going to win because Hollywood can't function without writers and actors. And so I'm behind them both one thousand percent. What about Bruce Willis? What does what's the upshot of that? The upshot of that is he's getting uh, paid a fortune to sell his uh, his face and his voice, and of course his family and his his uh, heirs will inherit that money. So he's covered. Unfortunately, uh, other actors are having their faces and voices used unpaid, uh, and and that is the 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 thrust of the. Uh, actor strike and uh, writers are uh, protesting a similar abuse of their talent. In other words, both actors and writers are saying, we want the rights for human creativity 
to be preserved and not replaced by AI. Okay, now this makes sense. And I wasn't even going to ask you about that, but, you know, like you know, you know me well enough to know that this conversation can go any old which way my brain takes <laughs> it. So, but I have been wondering because I'm thinking, is this a good time or a bad time? What are you people thinking? And I don't pay that much attention to it because I'm not a TV watcher and I rarely watch movies. I did watch Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I like that one. Uh-huh. But you know, it's just, it's not really my thing. So I pay just enough attention to go, huh, what's that all about? And then I move on to something that I actually care about. But I understand why you're very interested in it. That makes perfect sense. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm on the side of, of writers in all disciplines. Uh, actors, writers, composers, uh, uh, you know, playwrights, screenwriters, uh, novelists, poets. That is... Uh, the arts is the premier expression of the human soul and it has been for thousands of years going back to the cave paintings and by the way some cave paintings have been discovered in uh, South Africa that are 250,000 years old Mm. much older than the ones they found in that uh, cave in in France Uh, so our ancestors obviously had an urge to express themselves through art. Uh, and I think it is uh, one of the holiest uh, uh, pursuits that human beings can pursue. And it is the best evidence that there is a human soul and it's essential to us. And I stories, agree. Yeah. I agree. And that, you know, you just led me right to Darwinism, which I have never bought into. So, but that's a whole nother conversation. Well, there, there is, uh, there, there, you know, different ways you can look at evolution. I, I mean, many uh, scientists who are deterministic uh, believe that evolution is just about, you know, uh, random selection. It doesn't have any meaning or purpose. There are other uh, thinkers like uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, whom I am at. I admire very much, who uh, wrote that evolution does have a goal, which he called the Omega Point, and he believes there is a purpose in humanity evolving to the point where we are now, and as we evolve to higher states of being, eventually we reach a very enlightened stage of evolution. If we don't destroy ourselves. I was going to say, if we live that long. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so I wanted to ask you to, I knew we were going to go far afield. We always do. Um, when we're talking about avatar creation. Yes. Let's talk about that. Because the AR, AI, as I understand it, AR, AI, <laughs> avatar formation involves some really complex algorithms and data analysis. And how does that work? Well, as I understand it, and of course, Henry Roy and Carola Smith at Henry Roy, uh, P-R-R-O-I, and you can visit their website and read all about this new uh, service they offer, uh, which are the AI uh, avatar generated book review tours uh, operates 
in the following manner, as I understand it, and I'm not a technical expert, I'm, I'm not a programmer, but as I understand it, what they did was they uh, created a certain number of prompts. Uh, they uh, fed in the liner notes for the novel. Uh, I believe they used a short uh, summary of, of the storyline and they entered the kind of avatars they wanted to create for this. And they said they wanted all the avatars to be science fiction related characters. Uh, Carola Schmidt uh, actually created the look and feel for those. They fed that into the AI uh, platform and the AI platform did all the rest. It generated the reviews. When you read the reviews, were there any shockers for you? Did you go, mm, that one's not quite right? How did they feel to you is my question. Uh, they they felt fantastic because they, first of all, the, the avatars they chose were male, female, and all age groups and all ethnicities. And I'm writing for a global audience, and I was delighted to see that the avatars they created represented many different uh, ethnicities, uh, sexes, and ages. And I was, I was thrilled. I mean, each one was, was a little different. They didn't just regurgitate the same words in the same way. But uh, I, I sensed personality behind each one of the avatars and the reviews that they wrote. Uh, although I knew intellectually that the AI platform is not sentient, and yet it sure seemed like it when they did the reviews. I, I didn't see any of them uh, that were objectionable to me. That's surprising because you're so it's your book. You're so close to it. You live it. You breathe it. You birthed it. And for them to be able to just kind of pull that out of what you wrote is pretty amazing. Well, it is. It's it's indicative of the kind of awareness and set of concerns that a lot of folks in the world have uh, today. And that crosses over uh, baby boomers, uh, Gen Zs, uh, millennials. I think people in all generations are uh, concerned about the issues that my book raises. Uh, and so the reviews seem to be very much in the ballpark with that. And, and you know, I should uh, also mention that the novel is, is not an essay. <laughs> it is a drama. It does have a love triangle. It does have suspense. It does have uh, a lot of things that make it an exciting read. But it does bring up some issues that I think a lot of humanity is concerned about. And I think those AI reviews uh, reflected those concerns. I think so as well. I read a few of them this morning before we jumped on. Having read the book and, and knowing you, I said, okay, they, they're pretty spot on with this. I didn't see anything that had my eyebrows raising, in other words. Well, thank you for saying that. That comes from you. That means a lot. Thank you. Listen, there's a lot going on with you right now. So is there 
a particularly memorable moment or experience from when you first started this and to now or, or a couple of moments where you just went, oh, my God. Uh, yes, there there are several moments of that uh, kind. Uh, I guess the most recent one is uh, I was just informed this morning by my good friend, Bob Attell, who's active in the film industry here. Uh, I, f- I found out today that he and I will be co-hosting uh, a delegation of Saudi uh, filmmakers that is visiting uh, Atlanta on Labor Day weekend. They were going to go to L.A., but because of the writers and actors strike. And we will be um, hosting them and talking about uh, there will be cultural exchange. Uh, uh, Ken Achety and his wife, Kayoko who's the head of uh, Yoga Gives Back, a uh, terrific uh, uh, nonprofit, are going to be coming uh, participating in uh, Zoom. I, I'm hoping that Devin Blaine will be there also. I was going to ask about both of them. Yes, uh, but we are uh, going to, in addition to host a, a wonderful meal and discussion about uh, global filmmaking in general, we will also be discussing possibilities for uh, financing for the cloud. So I'm very, very excited. That was like, I was stunned by that. (laughs) That's amazing. Is this, let me ask you, is this going to be recorded? Will pieces of it or all of it be open to the public at some point? What's, how can we get involved? How can we pay attention? Well, I will, I will keep you and and, and everyone on all my uh, social media platforms updated I don't know uh, answers to the question about will it be recording. Uh, it's being sponsored by the Georgia f- uh, film uh, industry. So Bob Latell is the gentleman uh, who uh, I will ask that question of, and I'll, I'll get you an answer as soon as I know that I just found out about this this morning. I bet. Well, yeah, let me know, because if there's anything I can do to get it out to my audience, you know I'll do it. Well, thank you. I will, I will certainly, I will certainly keep you in the loop. And thank you for giving me an opportunity. And the only other thing I I, I would recommend is everybody, please visit www.thecloudnovel.com, and you can learn more about my novel. There are some sample chapters there. There's a link to um, uh, Amazon where you can uh, get your Kindle. If you're in Kindle Unlimited, you can read it free. Uh, or you can buy the um, print version, which is out in paperback. I have the paperback, but I went and bought the 99-cent one because, you know, I want to help you get where you want to be there on those those lists. So I've got that as well. So thank you. Well, I, have, you're I, have it, I have it in three. I have the book, and I, I think I shared this with you. I made the mistake of loaning that book, and I never loan books because I know better. But this went to my best friend's brother, who's, you know, we're family. We've been family forever. And I told him when he was hauling off with the book, because he was sitting in a corner reading it. It had been sitting on my what, a table in my living room. And I said, what are you doing? He said, this is, wow, this is a crazy book. I said, you know, and I told him the story that I knew you, that you'd gifted me the book. He said, man, I would love to read this. And he lives in New Orleans. And I knew that book was going to go to New Orleans. And I said, oh, all right, but I'm going to tell you, if that book doesn't come back, I'm going to hunt you down. I know where you live. I'm coming to get my book. 
<laughs> it you, came back last weekend, so he he oh, gets good. to live. Yeah, good, he gets good. To, but my point is, I have the book. I have the physical book. I now have the downloaded free, you know, Kindle, which I've already highlighted, and it'll go back. I mean, obviously, I can't keep it, but. I also ordered the 99 cent one because, you know, I want to support you. So there you have it. Well, thank you. And again, just to reiterate, as of today, uh, the cloud is uh, Amazon bestseller in three categories. It's number 15 in science fiction, TV, movie, and game tie-in. Number 72 in cyberpunk, science fiction, the Kindle version, and number 38 in uh, cyberpunk fiction and the print version. And I have to say this again, Robert, when we first spoke, and I can't remember now how long ago it was, it wasn't all that terribly long ago. You were just starting. The book was just out. You were just, I think, in your own head wondering, okay, where's this going to go? What's going to (laughs) happen? And all of a sudden, you're like, holy geez. (laughs) So congratulations to you. Well, thank you. As I said, it's a little disorienting, but again, to uh, for all aspiring authors, Never say die. Take the attitude of uh, failure is not an option and be willing to work hard to market your own book because these days uh, uh, new authors have to get deeply involved in their own marketing. Uh, the, the five New York publishers, I mean, if your name is not Stephen King or Margaret Atwood, <laughs> it's it's tough to get in the door and uh, you, you just have to be very active and get street smart about uh, social media. So definitely uh, reach out uh, and get the um, uh, the book. I uh, Jeff Herman's uh, book. Find the right agent. Uh, reach out to professional editors, and I recommend Elizabeth Lyon of Editing International. Reach out to Ken Achety. Uh, he he also has his own publishing company uh, story. Merchant Books, which published my novel, and um, uh, keep listening to Denise Griffiths because she oh, is bringing you. the world to all of you in very important ways. Appreciate that, Gene Krantz. Failure is not an option. I knew it was going to come to me. You got Pretty it. Sure that's his name, Robert. Thank you so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you, and I apologize a bit for the wandering around, but that's what a conversation is all about. I think we got some very important information out there, and a few opinions, which is again what a conversation is all about. So, thank you so much for being my guest again, and be sure to let me know when you and and Bob Latell are ready to to launch that Saudi. Um, I can't wait to hear that, you know, that Saudi event. I can't wait to hear about it. So listen, everybody, before we wrap up today's episode, if you've enjoyed today's episode and you found our insights helpful, please leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Your feedback does help me improve and reach more people on their own success journeys. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And I thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next one. Robert, again, thank you, and congratulations from the heart. Thank you, and I am so grateful to be talking to you again, Denise, from my heart. (laughs) Thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, 
contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.